I imagine that um, this series that we've been in called Answering the God's Call has been perhaps in equal measure maybe enlightening and challenging and inspiring and motivating on the one hand and incredibly frustrating to people on the other hand. Uh, I would hope that some of the conversations that we've had already in this series have really sparked some life in the conversations, in your thinking, and in the way you, you imagine God wanting to use you in the world. I mean, two weeks ago, Jeff talked about how God has called every single one of us to be priests in the world, to be, to be mediators of the divine, loving power, of pres- power and presence into the world, and, and how God has called us to bring the presence of God into the world and to bring the world into the presence of God in a way that, that God wants to use every one of us to accomplish his kingdom purposes of bringing forgiveness and transformation and healing and hope and, and uh, reconciliation and justice into a broken, hurting, dying world. And then last week we talked about how if we want to do what God has called us to do, we first have to want to be what God has created us to be. Uh, somebody told me after the service last week that the, that the talk was actually intimidating. I didn't intend for it to be intimidating as we think about all of the ways in which we're falling short of the people God's created us to be. That, that wasn't the point. Because you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be that person that we talked about last week in order to be used by God. I just wanted us to realize that the precondition for doing what God has created us to do is for us actually to want to be the kind of person God's created us to be. That that has to be the direction uh, of our lives. That God would recreate us into his image in ever increasing ways. And however those mornings have inspired and, and challenged you, the reason I say I imagine that there are people in our community who are frustrated is because so far we haven't yet gotten to the question that everybody ultimately cares about in a series about answering God's call in your life. The question that was ultimately formulated by a guy named James on my Facebook wall after the first week when we started to solicit questions for our Q&A next Sunday. And James wrote this on my Facebook wall. He said, being called by God is one thing. Knowing and doing what he's called you to do is something completely different. Here's the question. How can I know what he's called me to do and how do I get started? That's the question, right? That's at the core. That's the bottom line of this whole series is how do I know what it is I've been called to do and how do I get going? And that's what this morning is all about. If this is your question, if this is something that has plagued you, if you have asked yourself and wondered and been troubled by the question of what is it that God has called me to do, then I encourage you this morning to pick up a pen Because this morning we are going to talk about the four things that we need to discern if we're going to be able to figure out God's calling in our lives. Four different things that we need to come to terms with if we're going to be able to discern God's call in our lives. That's what this morning is all about. So here we are. Number one, how do I know what it is God has called me to do? Number one, we have to learn how to discern 
our passion. We have to learn how to discern our passion. It begins with the question, what am I passionate about? What excites me? What gets the juices flowing? What keeps me lying awake at night? What gives me energy and life? If you were to ask somebody else, a good friend, a family member in your life, if, you know, what is it about you that they would say, oh, geez, don't get them talking about X because they just won't shut up, you know? What is it that gets your passions flowing? Frederick Beekner is a preacher who once said that the call of God on your life is where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. It's pretty good. The call of God on your life is where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. I would actually probably want to augment that a little bit. I, I once saw a model of, of calling that had three concentric circles. And, and the point was that your calling, the sweet spot of your calling is where your passions and gifts meet God's priorities and the world's need. It's where those three things come together, your passions, God's priorities, and the world's need, where those things come together. That's where God has called you to be. Um, now it has to be all three of those things uh, because not all of our passions would meet all of that criteria. I can be passionate about collecting baseball cards, but it'd be hard to see how that meets some great need in the world. Um, I could be passionate about watching pornography, but it's hard to see how that would align with God's priorities. The question is, how do my passions, because it's sin, how do my passions and God's priorities and the world's needs all come together? What is it that you are passionate about that you could align with God's priorities and the world's needs to discover your calling? You can be passionate about it, just about anything. You can be passionate about an issue or a cause like human trafficking or education. You could be passionate about an activity you enjoy, you know, music or fixing cars or sewing. You could be passionate about a group of people. You could be passionate about kids or about the First Nations population. You could be passionate about something you care about, like marriage or parenting or culture or art. You could be passionate about a particular organization, like compassion or the church or the shelter or school or whatever it is. Whatever it is that gets your juices flowing, that is one starting place for discerning where God has called you to be, the purpose that God has called you to live out with your life. You have to know your passion, which means that somebody is going to say to me, but I just don't have any passions. There's nothing that gets me all that worked up. I, I just don't know what my passions would be. And if that's you this morning, then there's probably, um, that's probably for one of two reasons. I would think, at least main reasons. Number one, that could be because you do have passions and plenty of them. You've just never considered that the kinds of passions you have could actually align with God's priorities and the world's need. That if you were to ask a friend, what am I passionate about? Or if you were to take a piece of paper and just start writing the things that you're passionate about, you could write a lot of things that you get really passionate about. You would just never consider that maybe some of those things could be used by God in order to meet some kind of deep need in the world. And you need to go back and revisit those passions. Or it's possible that something else has happened. That you don't know what you're passionate about because you've begun to pull apart the diagram. 
You've begun to drift away from the priorities of God or you've begun to drift away from the needs of the world. And in order to rediscover the passion to which God is calling you, you actually need to begin by reinvesting in knowing and loving and serving God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and exposing yourself to the needs of the world, to be the kind of beatitude person that we talked about a couple of months ago whose heart is broken by the brokenness of the world, which you will only experience in as much as you expose yourself to the brokenness of the world. To the degree that we withdraw from God or we withdraw from the world, we begin to lose the kind of passion to which God has called us to. But once you discover that passion, once you find it, you've got to feed it and press into it. Um, Embrace it. Read everything you can. Imagine every possible way in which God might want to reclaim your passion and connect it somehow to the needs of the world. Passion is a, is a fundamental part of, of God's call on my life and why I do what it is that I do. It was a passionate, I was fortunate, it was a passionate that began to emerge in me early. Before I had even graduated high school, I knew that I wanted to go into ministry somehow of some kind. Um, halfway through university, I considered dropping out to plant a church with Chris Fowler on the East Coast. Thank God we never did that. Uh, but by the time I was graduating university, I was utterly convinced that God was calling me into church ministry. That's where my passion was. That was the only thing I wanted to do with my life. And the question is, what's your passion? What is it that gets you excited? And how can you connect that to the priorities of God and the need of the world to live into the sweet spot of where God is calling you to be? You have to discern your passion. But the other thing you have to discern is God's revelation. Because this just isn't just about some kind of inner conviction. Secondarily, this is about a way, this is about God revealing to you. Um, where he wants you to be and what he wants you to be doing. And I think for many people, that's the frustrating part of this conversation. They say, I'd love for God to reveal to me what he wants me to be doing and how to get started, but he's just not revealing that to me. And I would say, to the contrary, I believe that he is. We just haven't learned how to hear him. Remember that poll that I talked about last week, USA Today, right? 34% of people said if they could ask God any question and receive an immediate and direct answer, they would ask, what's my purpose in life? Here's the problem. When it comes to the question, what's my purpose in life, the kind of answer we want from God is immediate and direct. We want God to tell us now, and we want God to tell us clearly. We want God to hire a skywriter in the sky and to say, hey, Dave, spend the rest of your life doing this. Right? We want immediacy, we want it now, and we want it clear. And the truth of the matter is that God's actually not in the business often of communicating. Sometimes he does, but not often. Look at Psalm chapter 32, verse 8. Psalm 32, verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. We want God to give us the right answer, and God says, that's not how I'm interested in in walking with you. I want to teach you. I want to guide you. I want to counsel you. I'm going to take you by the hand lovingly and walk with you into the life that I have called you to. 
I want to be with you in the journey. Look at Proverbs 25. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. The proverbial writer says sometimes God in his goodness, instead of being open and plain, conceals things. He makes things not obvious because it is a sign of noble character in us to go and search those things out. Sometimes what God wants to inspire in us is the passion for the search. God wants us to want to know our calling enough to go after it, to try and discover it, to try and uncover it. God wants us to participate in the finding out of the matter. He doesn't want to just paste it on the sky. He wants us to go after it. Look at Luke chapter 11. Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God says, I want you to talk to me about this. Ask me about your purpose and your calling. Seek after it with me. Knock on the door and say, open up God and show me what open doors you have for me. And I will do that for you. I want us to be talking about this. But Jesus' brother James writes somewhere else, he says, the reason you don't receive is because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask for selfish motivations. You're not aligned with God's priorities and the world's needs. If you will ask after my heart for the sake of the world in all selflessness, you will receive. I'll, I'll show you. So how, so how does God reveal his heart for us, to us? How do we experience God's revelation? How does he uncover these things? There's a whole bunch of ways. One, one way could be through your life story. A Danish philosopher Kierkegaard said, life can only be understood backwards, but it has to be lived forwards. That's the frustration. But where you are right now, there is a life behind you that you can turn around and look at and begin to understand. Begin to see the kind of trajectory that your life story is taking. To see the kind of person God is creating you to be because of the kind of life God has providentially been ordering for you to live. And so just you take some time and you ask yourself, what are the themes of my life story? What are the major events of my life story? What are the major God moments of my life story? Who are the major characters in my life story who made you know, positive contributions or who left scars on me? And what do all of those things together tell me about who I'm becoming and the kinds of ways in which God could use me to meet the need of the world? It could be through the way God speaks through other people. A friend of mine was telling me recently that they were being prayed for by someone who was a virtual stranger to them. And as this woman began to pray for him, she was speaking words that were resonating deep within his spirit, things that he had never shared with anybody else. In effect, what was happening was he was hearing her voice, but he was receiving the words of God. He said, in my mind, there was no doubt that this was God speaking into my spirit. And he would say later that it was the res that prayer 
where God spoke into his life triggered a series of reflections that caused him to realize that God was calling him to something new, to a transition in his life, to the next thing that God had for him. Sometimes that's how God speaks. Sometimes it's through scripture, where you're just reading in the pages of scripture and something jumps out of the pages at you and you think, my goodness, that is, that's God speaking that into my life. Sometimes it's just something God does in your spirit. Let me, let me tell you one of the stories of how God spoke to me in the midst of my discerning of my own call. It was 1996. And I was uh, 23 years old and single, no kids, driving down the QEW to an engineering co-op job in Hamilton. It was early in the morning, and so I turned on the Christian radio station, and the program that was on was focused on the family. I didn't have a family, and I didn't feel like focusing on it. But I was waiting for the program that was coming after, so I turned on the station. And when I turned on focus on the family, I caught the tail end of a sermon being preached by a guy who had cerebral palsy. And he was telling the story of how in his life he felt that he had been called to preach, but all these people in his world were telling him that he couldn't preach because he had cerebral palsy. He was too weak to preach, or he was too wheelchair-bound, and most stages weren't wheelchair-accessible, or he, was, you know, he had a speech impediment. Nobody was going to listen to him, and everybody was telling him, you can't be a preacher because you have cerebral palsy. And he said, but in my spirit, he said, I had a want to. God had put this passion inside of me to preach. As the story came to an end, the host of the program came on. And this is what he said. He said, listen, I know that young men from ages 18 to 25, that's not our key demographic for this program, he says. But when I heard this message and this story, I knew we had to broadcast it in the off chance that there was somebody somewhere listening to this program who knew in their heart that they had been called to preach, but people were telling you that you shouldn't preach because you're too young or you're too stupid or you're too inexperienced or you're too uneducated. And I'm here to tell you this morning on behalf of God that if God is called you to preach that you have to preach and it doesn't matter what anybody says and here I am driving down the QEW bawling my eyes out driving to an engineering job that I hated knowing that the only thing I wanted to do with my life was go into ministry and I heard God speak to me that day and when I got to work I called Ontario Theological Seminary and asked them to send me an application package because I felt God say now is the time You have to learn to listen for God's revelation, for the ways in which God is inviting you into the search and providentially revealing himself in the, along the way. Um, it's not mystery, it's clarity. So you have to, or it's not clarity, it's mystery. So you, you have to discern your passion and you have to discern God's revelation, but you have to discern it in two additional ways. You have to, thirdly, you have to discern it communally. You have to discern God's call in community. God's call on your life is a very personal thing, but it is not a private thing. It is not something that you have the power or authority to discern on your own. You don't. You are often the worst person to try and discern where God has called you to be. See, I talk to people 
who will say, listen, I feel in my spirit that God has spoken to me and I am called to this. And, and I, I have bad news for some of you this morning. Just because you feel it in your spirit and just because you think God has spoken to you does not mean that you are called to the thing you think God has called you to. That is not necessarily true. I remember hearing the story of somebody who came to our worship ministry and said, you know, I feel that God has said to me that I, he's calling me to sing in the worship band. And Tom, who leads our worship ministry, said to the person, well, if God has called you to sing, then let's hear you sing. And after a brief audition, Tom told me later, he said, I had probably the hardest conversation a person could have in that situation. And he said, I looked at this person, I said, listen, one of two things is true, and I don't know which one. He said, but either you have misheard the voice of God, and God has not called you to sing, or God has not yet equipped you for the calling that he's put on your life, because I can't put you in a worship band. And what I would suggest you do is you go hire a vocal coach and discern together with your vocal coach whether or not God has called you to sing. And to this person's credit, in this deep humility, that's exactly what they did. And over a period of time, this person and their vocal coach discerned that God had probably not called this person to sing in a worship band. See, the truth is that... God's call on our life, like everything else in our life, is supposed to be discerned in community. Look at Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand that? Sometimes the person that your heart is deceiving is you. And what you need are people from the outside looking in to help bring clarity to what it is that you're experiencing, to discern that together. Because God has gifted you with spiritual gifts, with abilities that he's poured into your life that he wants you to use in the power of the Holy Spirit to build up the church and to bring his kingdom into the world in forgiveness and transformation and healing and hope and reconciliation and justice. God has given that to all of us. And it's upon us The responsibility is on us to discern what those things are. Whether it's with a a spiritual gifts assessment, and there are a number of those that exist, or whether it's in a seminar like Life Keys that we offer periodically from time to time in the church where we help people discover their gifts and their passions and their values and their personality uniquenesses and so on as a way of starting to discern the call. But at the end of the day, With all of those tools and instruments, the point is that we carry that information into community and we ask other people to help us discern. We surround ourselves with loving, truth-telling people who have the courage to say, these gifts I see in you, but I don't think you have these ones, even though you think you do. I don't think you're called to leadership. Whatever it happens to be. Let me tell you that community is the single reason that I'm in ministry right now. Beyond fear of contradiction. 
When I was six or seven years of age, I was invited to speak um, in a worship service that we were having as a, as a church. I was invited to recite Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and so on. And when my moment came in the service, I was invited up onto the platform and I stood up on the chair behind the pulpit. Back then we had this huge, massive wooden pulpit and I stood up on the chair and I reached around the pulpit and I grabbed the sides like I had seen Pastor John do a thousand times when he preached in our church and I trumpeted Psalm 23 into the auditorium and I played my role in the service and and immediately after the service someone came up to me and I'll never forget this moment and they kneeled down beside me and they put their hand on my shoulder and they looked me in the eye and they said when you grab the pulpit they said you even grab the pulpit like a preacher and I began to imagine a day when God might call you to preach in our very church and that comment planted a seed that was watered by the affirmation of other people that began to grow into a passion to preach that became a call to be the teaching pastor at Southridge Community Church. Maybe you've never had anyone come up to you and make some kind of discerning prophetic uh, statement like that. But you can always go and ask. The people around you who love you, go to them and say, what do you see in me? What do you think my passions are? What do you think my gifts are? Where do you see God able to use me? Where do you think who I am could come in contact with the need of the world in a way that would allow God for his kingdom to come through me into the world? Ask people what they see in you and be prepared to be humble enough to receive the answer. But we discern our calling, our passions, and God's revelation. We discern that in community, and we discern it circumstantially, number four. We discern it circumstantially. We discern it according to how God guides the journey. In Proverbs uh, Chapter 19, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose who prevails. You can make a lot of plans for your life, but as you walk step by step with God through the journey, he will guide you to where he wants you to be if you're walking with him. See, the point is not that God calls you and says, I want you to spend the rest of your life doing this. God's call often doesn't come that way. The way God's call comes is as we follow him down the path. It's a pilgrimage. What's a pilgrimage? It's a a long journey to a sacred place for a sacred purpose. Finding your calling is in often most cases a lifelong journey to that sacred place of calling for the sacred purpose of being used by God to bring his kingdom into the world. And the way we follow God down the path is one opportunity at a time. That one opportunity leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next until one day you wake up and you think, oh my goodness, I am exactly where God has called me to be. That's been my experience of of growing into the call that God has on my life right now. 
I wasn't born the teaching pastor of Southridge Community Church. But at the age of 15 or 16, I was given the opportunity to teach grade 8 Sunday school. And I took that opportunity and I was faithful to it. And it led to the opportunity to lead a Bible study with friends that went to high school with me. And I took that opportunity and was faithful to it. And that led to the opportunity to speak in our student ministry. And that led to the opportunity to speak in Eden Chapel as a student on multiple occasions. And that led the opportunity to lead youth retreats for our church's students and then for other churches' students. And that led for the, to the opportunity on Christmas Day, 1991, as an 18-year-old guy to preach for 10 minutes the meaning of Christmas to our whole congregation on Christmas morning. That led to the opportunity to preach for 30 minutes, six months later, in an evening service. And on and on and on the story goes until some 20 years later, I'm the teaching pastor of Southridge Community Church, and last Sunday while I was on video here, I was preaching live at one of the largest evangelical churches in the province. And you know what's true? I have never once asked to preach anything to anybody at any time. I have never once in my life asked to preach. I just followed one opportunity after the next, after the next, after the next, until one day I woke up and thought, my goodness, I'm exactly where God has called me to be. And that's not to say that it's wrong to ask for opportunities. It's just to say that God is probably not going to tell you what he wants you to do with the rest of your life. I don't even know that I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. God is just inviting you to faithfully follow him one opportunity at a time down the path of calling until the Lord's purpose finally prevails and he has you exactly where he wants you to be. So what kind of opportunities is God calling us into? I think there's four. There's the opportunity to bloom right where you're planted. See, some of us already have a sense for what our passions are, and some of us already know what our gifts are and, and what our abilities are and what we're good at and so on. And Some of us have already experienced some of that divine direction, and we find ourselves in a place in life where right where we are in our job or in our, in our situation, in, in our role at staying at home or in a volunteer capacity or in a club that we're part of or in a hobby group that we participate in or whatever, we find ourselves in exactly the kind of situation where our our gifts and talents and passions all get the opportunity to bubble to the surface and the only thing we need to figure out is how to turn that job or turn that role into a vocation into a kingdom calling all we need to figure out is how to be a priest and mediate the presence of God right where we already are out of a love for God and love for people to be kingdom bringers right in the situation where we already find ourselves. See, following your calling is not about quitting your job and working for the church or some ministry or going overseas as a missionary. Finding your calling has nothing to do with who signs your paycheck. It has nothing to do with money whatsoever. It's what you do to bring God's kingdom into the world. And some of you are already exactly where God needs you to be. And you just need to figure out how to turn this role into a vocation. 
There's a second kind of opportunity because some of you look around at your life and say, I know my gifts, I know my passions, I know my strengths, I know the kind of contribution I can make, but my life circumstance for whatever reason is not really conducive to making this contribution where I am. Well, if that's you, then take those skills and gifts and donate them somewhere else. There are literally gajillions, like literally gajillions because that's a literal number. There are gajillions of nonprofits and NGOs and agencies and whatever who could use skills and passions and gifts just like yours to meet the world's deep needs in alignment with God's priorities, who could literally take advantage of the exact thing that you have to offer in order to bring God's kingdom into the world. Forgiveness and transformation and healing and hope and justice and reconciliation. And all you need to do is find the place to donate your gifts and passions. And God will begin to do that through you. There are some people, I think, thirdly, who know their gifts and passions or vision or maybe are just discovering them. But there are some people who have been given a unique vision who see something that other people just don't seem to see, who, who, who see an opportunity to meet a need that nobody else is meeting or to meet an old need in a radical new way, in a way that people just haven't seemed to have thought about before. And God is calling you to start something. I have friends who are wrestling with this right now. One who has just launched a nonprofit organization that's about providing disaster relief individual to individual from the developed world to the developing world in a kiva.org kind of way in order to fill some of the disaster relief gaps that are left when only the Red Cross and World Vision and other organizations like them are providing all the relief. They're doing wonderful things, but there are holes in the system. And my friend saw an opportunity to plug one of those holes, and he's doing it. I have another friend who lies awake at night sometimes thinking about how many organizations in Niagara are throwing away food every single day and thinking about all the number of people in Niagara and agencies in Niagara who need food every single day. And he lies awake at night wondering, how can I bridge the gap between those two things? Is there something I could start to meet that need? In bloom where you planted, donate your skills, you can start something new. Or fourthly, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I genuinely have no idea. My gifts, my abilities, my talents, my skills, my passions. I just really, I genuinely have no idea. Well, you know what you can do? You can start by getting involved and using your time and your talents for what God is doing right here in our community right now. There are so many opportunities for people of all um, places in faith and all gifts and abilities and with every kind of passion to get involved in something that our church is doing in a way to help our church become the church that God has created us to be or to channel those that time and those talents into um, one of our anchor causes at our three locations whether it's befriending the homeless at Glenridge or befriending the migrant worker in Vineland or befriending at-risk families in Welland. There are so many opportunities for you to be used um, by God according to his priorities to meet the deep needs in the world in a way that allow you to begin the journey of discerning your call one opportunity at a time. Because here's the thing. 
John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son with a unique mission and a particular calling to do something that only he could do to bring the kingdom to life in the world. In John chapter 20, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, now I'm sending you just as the Father sent me. Which means that you could go back and read John 3.16 to say, for God so loved the world that he sent you with a unique mission and a specific calling to make a contribution that only you can make in order that the kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven through and because of you. And that calling starts today. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would teach us to know you and to love you, that your priorities would become the central defining characteristic and feature of our life. I pray, God, that you would help us to know ourselves, to come to know our gifts and our passions, that you would speak clearly uh, with your voice and through the community guiding us into an ever-deepening understanding of who you've created us to be and what you've called us to do. And I pray, God, that you would teach us to know the world, to love the world, to empathize with the pain and the brokenness of the world so that we can take our deep passion and your divine priorities and the world's desperate need and discover the sweet spot of the place that you've called us to be. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.